Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Las Vegas may still be closed down for now, but MyBookie's casino is open 24-7. They're also the home to a free $10,000 Blackjack Madness tournament. Just use the promo code SGP and get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Again, that promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid with MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, hello there again, and welcome in to our only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. It is a weird, wild time where there are no games, there are no sports, but we do have an NFL draft that is upcoming. And if you're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday, that means the opening round of the 2020 draft will be on Thursday night. But even if you're catching the show after the opening round, we still have got plenty to be here and be entertained about for Friday, Saturday, and beyond. We're looking to preview it, talk about it, and have a lot to get to. Brian Edwards will be here from Vegas Insider and from MajorWager.com. I look forward to talking draft with Brian, including a couple of different proposition bets that he's liking. Uh, yeah, the, the betting is going to be hot and heavy around who's getting drafted where and under overs on where guys are going and how many quarterbacks are taken those kind of things already interesting that Brian is on the record about Jerry Judy being a great underdog play to go in the top 10 of this draft as a wide receiver out of Alabama Uh, He also likes the possibility of five quarterbacks to be taken in the opening round of the draft. Told us that last week. Obviously, the likes of Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, as well as Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, and then maybe somebody like Jake Fromm or another quarterback like Jalen Hurts could sneak into the 32-team first round and be taken in this upcoming NFL draft. So anyway, Brian will be back with a couple of more proposition bets that he likes. We'll go over some different teams and scenarios. Uh, I've got strong feelings, obviously, about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and whether or not uh, he's going to be taken in front of Justin Herbert. We'll be talking about that as the show unfolds. I've already made it clear here on the podcast it would be idiotic. Uh, for anybody to take Herbert in front of Tonga Vailoa, just on pure competition that they played against over the last three years, one in the SEC and one in the Pac-12. So anyway, uh, more discussion on all of that uh, with Brian. Obviously, we're also going to have some fun. We'll talk more Alabama with Chris Stewart of the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network, their radio broadcast for football, for basketball, also the host of the Nick Saban TV show. So I look forward to talking with Chris Uh, about the Alabama players, about Tua, about uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, about Jared Wills, the offensive uh, tackle, uh, and even Jalen Hurts, who we covered at Alabama, who played last year at Oklahoma. Chris is going to have thoughts on all of that and why Nick Saban just has developed such a football factory with all these different players and talent at Alabama. So Chris is coming in the middle segment of the show. And then my buddy Jay Betzel from Fort Worth, Texas, the famous Jay, will be here. 
Uh, we'll talk some about the draft eventually, but I want to talk to Jay because it looks like as Pro Sports is resuming that uh, the Texas, in particular Dallas-Fort Worth and Fort Worth, is going to be at the epicenter. The PGA Tour has already announced their golf schedule resuming in June and that the Colonial uh, tournament that's there, uh, the, the Ben Hogan course in Fort Worth, is going to be the first event on the resumption of the 2020 schedule on the PGA Tour. Plus, the NASCAR and IndyCar races that are held at Texas Motor Speedway may both be coming in the same weekend uh, later this summer when the racing resumes. And Major League Baseball may end up putting multiple teams in Texas, if not Dallas-Fort Worth, certainly in and around Texas, uh, to take advantage uh, of the indoor new ballpark in Arlington and also uh, the Houston Astros Minute Maid Park. So I'm going to talk with Jay about all of that, and then we've got to work in a little Dallas Cowboys conversation as well as part of Three Dog Thursday. So all of the guests are upcoming here on the show. A reminder to subscribe to the program via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, however you found the show from our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, network feed on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. We love being hooked up with Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, all the guys on the Sports Gambling Podcast and their network feed. However you found the show, subscribe to the show because that is the easiest way to get it. You'll automatically get it whenever it's new on Thursday and out. You'll get that ding on your handheld device, on your uh, laptop, on your uh, iPad, etc. If you are a subscriber uh, via one of those outlets, via the podcast. So subscribe away. Rate us, review us as part of Three Dog Thursday. Rank us. It'll move us up. Leave some feedback, some comments. Uh, We love that. All right, so before I get to the guest, a couple of quick thoughts. You obviously know a little bit about me if you've been uh, with me throughout the years on Three Dog Thursday. And thank you again uh, by the thousands, by the thousands and thousands you're tuning in here on Three Dog Thursday. Keep spreading the word via social media, sharing it out uh, via uh, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Keep sharing out. Uh, what we do here on Three Dog Thursday. But you know I'm associated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm based in West Central Florida, and the Bucks and their uh, radio broadcast with Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore on the calls, and I'm on the sideline and part of the post-game show and in and around Bruce Arians and his comments after the game. And there's so much optimism right now, even without a season with the draft coming up, that the Bucks have acquired Tom Brady in free agency, and now at the time we're taping have also grabbed Rob Gronkowski out of retirement. Who had that? when Gronk was wrestling just a couple of weeks ago on the WrestleMania pay-per-view and winning one of Vince McMahon's championship belts. Now he's no longer a wrestler. Now he is back in the NFL after a year hiatus. So obviously a lot of excitement around the Bucs, and uh, and rightfully so. And we're going to be talking about this more with Brian Edwards coming up straight ahead as the Super Bowl odds have gone up. And and the Bucs have to be considered a legitimate favorite in the NFC. Uh, how do you not with the addition of Brady in particular, but now adding Gronkowski to that? And what does that mean for the Buccaneers draft? Do they go offensive line? Do they look towards a running back picking 14th right now at the moment? We'll see how that part plays out. So in any event, uh, we've got a lot to get to here on the program, but I'm excited for my Buccaneers. I'm excited for the draft. I mean, I know we watched the Chicago Bulls first installment of the documentary, The Last Dance, about the 1998 championship Bulls. Uh, And that was watched on Sunday night by over 6 million people 
And we already know the outcome of what happens with Michael and the Bulls over the next five Sunday nights. At the time that we're taping this here, they're going to keep showing those documentaries. The NFL draft's a complete unknown here. So it's going to be wild. We don't have baseball uh, to sustain us. We don't have the basketball or hockey playoffs yet. A lot of that's probably coming later this summer. Uh, when everything begins to get back to some normalcy, at least in the sports world, even if there's no fans in the stands. Uh, but right now we have the draft that we can hang our hat on, and we got a lot to talk about with that. Let's get to it with our guests that are upcoming. We thank you for being with us here on Three Dog Thursday. Let's get rolling with the draft and much more here on the show. He is leading things off, and we are about to be among the avalanche of teams and draft picks of the 2020 NFL Draft, depending on when you're hearing us. First round Thursday night, second and third rounds Friday night, and then Saturday they will have the remainder, the fourth through the seventh round picks upcoming at the NFL Draft. And to help me talk a little bit about this and give me a couple of prop uh, wagers that he's looking at right now in and around the draft, from Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com, good to catch up again with Brian Edwards. First off, for you, your family, everything going well with isolation, social distancing. It is an odd time. Are you hanging in there, sir? I am hanging in there, and I'm over at my uh, family's uh, place. Got here last night, here till Friday. It's uh, isolation is a lot better when the ceilings are higher and the house is a little bigger. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I'd say I'm an eight today. I've been a seven for uh, most days during this. But okay, I'm better. I'm glad that you're better, and a lot of the audience is hanging in. And just as a general comment, I mean, we're excited, all of us, because everybody loves the NFL. That this is something new. This is something that we don't know the outcome of, like the classic games that we're watching every which direction. And I think the, the audience is going to be bonkers for this thing. How excited are you that we're going to watch all this unfold over the next few days? Yeah, man, I'm stoked. I mean, not, and I love that we get three days of it. And I'm the dummy who thought we were getting uh, the last dance. I thought we were getting it five nights in a row rather than every Sunday. So Monday night, I'm like going to find it. And I'm like, what's going on here? What in the hell? So yeah, I'm glad we get three nights of it. I'm glad it's spread out like that. And man, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, boy, they're making some noise. Yeah, I was talking about that just before you came on here with the move with Rob Gronkowski. Um, which, again, comes out of retirement. What does he have left from a physical standpoint? Certainly in terms of on paper and and the buzz factor, it's huge. And now we got to see what that what that looks like. And it, and, and it may factor into the Buccaneers making a trade involving their former first-round tight end, uh, O.J. Howard from Alabama. Maybe they trade him, maybe they don't. I don't know. I don't have any insight on that, and we'll have to watch how all of this unfolds uh, when it comes about. But... This is, uh, hey, it's part of the intrigue. And the, I saw, for what you do, the odds on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl are up even more. They were, they were uh, something like 20 to 1 on the Brady signing. I saw at some places 14 to 1 or 13 to 1 now. The Buccaneers, one of the top two or three teams on the board, besides the Kansas City Chiefs, to repeat, uh, to be a, a Super Bowl winner. Yeah, so um, I saw it in a, a tweet from. Uh, Todd Dewey, and I'm trying to scroll down. Oh, yeah, here it is right here. So um, I guess y'all had gone – yeah, I remember the 20-1 to 1 as well when you got Brady, but I guess it had already drifted down to 15-1, uh, to 1, or at least it was yes, or you know, before the Gronk news. It was 15-1 to 1 at Circa, and now it's down to 11-1, to 1, and their <laughs> NFC odds went from 7-1 to 1 to 5-1, to 1, and their playoff odds, yes or no, went 
minus 160 on yes to minus 210. Uh, and the season win total went uh, from 9.5 to 10. You ought to get greedy and try to go get my man, oh, mercy, it's Percy, while you're at it with all yeah, this flashy so, news. So I see the former Gator, the former Seahawk, is now saying he wants to come back and play for the Buccaneers. We'll see what happens with with can you fit him in under a salary cap can any team what kind of shape is he in you can't you can't see these guys uh individually work out right now i guess they can send you a workout dvr uh dvd <laughs> to show you some video of what they're doing but we'll uh, we'll see we'll see who else joins on board with the bucks and will the bucks be um uh, buyers right now looking to move up in the first round of this draft so we covered some stuff with you you were talking about last week that you really like the prop bet on the possibility of uh five quarterbacks being taken in the opening round we know it's a given that joe burrow Tua tonga justin herbert three of them for sure are going and probably all three going in the top 10 that's a, that's likely to whom we'll figure out and then uh, it's Love, the quarterback, Justin Love, right, from Utah State. And you like Jake Fromm to maybe sneak into that first round as well, that there could be five quarterbacks. And you got a prop as well on Fromm individually, correct, uh, for the first round of the draft, or at least uh, to be a high pick in the draft. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you know, Jacob Eason uh, is a possibility, you know, as we've talked about. You know, it only takes one team, one GM, or one owner uh, to, you know, to, to fall in love with the guy. So Jacob Eason's a possibility late first round, although his over-under is 47-and-a-half. Um, but from who I was thinking is a possibility late first round, I would just forget what I said last week. Now uh, his over-under, at least at FanDuel, is 61-and-a-half, which is, what, like the last uh, three or four picks of round two. And if he goes, you know, 60 or before that, uh, you're a winner, or 61 before, or before that, because the, the total is 61 and a half, and it's plus money on the under, plus 115. So that's the one that I really like. I mean, he had a 36 and 7 career record in college. He had a 78 to 18 TDI and T ratio. Two five stars in Eason and Justin Fields had to transfer because they couldn't beat him out. He's, a, I think, he, mentally he's as ready to go as a rookie. Uh, if he if he gets on a good team where he's got good pieces around him, you know, I think he could have a, a solid rookie year if he, you know, if the starter were to get hurt or depending on what the situation is, maybe he could compete for the starting job. Uh, but I'm a lot higher on Jake Fromm than most, and under sixty one and a half at plus one fifteen, I really like that. So, uh, again, interesting, there have been some other Georgia quarterbacks that have been in and around uh, the mix. We go back to Matt Stafford. We go back before that to Quincy Carter and the Dallas Cowboys taking him earlier uh, in, the, sure. in the late 90s and the early 2000s. So uh, it, it has happened in the past, and uh, we will see. We, we shall see on this. Okay, uh, another one that you might like on the under over for the props while we have Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com. Uh, and Vegas Insider with us. Is there another specific player that you were looking at on the under-over of what uh, area they might be picked? Yeah, I like over five and a half. It does have a minus 130 price, but that's on Oregon uh, quarterback Justin Herbert. I think Herbert is solid, but he's not spectacular. I do not think he's top 10 worthy. Um, maybe I caught the wrong games. I'm not implying I watched you know every single game of Oregon's, but whenever I was watching, uh, it just didn't 
I mean, he played okay against Auburn last year. Um, he definitely played good against Washington, that comeback when they came back and took my right. money when they were down double digits. <laughs> um, but he did not play well against Washington State the next week when I had the Cougars catching double digits. They were lucky to win that game. And uh, he played horrible in the Michigan State Bowl game, that 7-6 to six game, worst four hours of my life that I wasted. And uh, I just don't – I think he can be good, but I, I don't see him going in the top five. And I think people implying that he's better than Tua – I think it's, it's just a yeah, joke. I agree. Um, I agree. Well, so the debate is, is anybody going to move up to get to us? We keep talking about on these shows. And if they do, uh, you know, Miami right now is at five. The Chargers right now. And again, you may know, I'll, I'll say this probably again in the podcast, probably a couple times. You may know if trades have been made uh, before the draft. Uh, gets gets rolling. We don't know that at the time that Brian and I are talking right now. But if Miami is staying at five, does someone hop up in front of five that loves Herbert? Do the Dolphins love Herbert more than Tua? Do the Chargers uh, love Herbert? If the Dolphins take Tua, would the Chargers take Herbert at number six? Hence the five and a half, right? Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That and that's the breaking point because everybody knows Miami and the Chargers uh need quarterbacks, want quarterbacks. So, are the Giants or the Lions willing to trade out cuz you would think perhaps somebody would offer them uh a small fortune. And um, you know, when you when you're in the top 5, you've obviously got multiple weaknesses and I I don't think it's a uh, I think it's a good idea to move down, especially if you can get a lot of uh, draft capital is what they're calling it these days. More with Brian Edwards in a moment. A reminder, Three Dog Thursday is brought to you by our friends at ConfectionistBakeryATL.com. My buddy Monty Garside in Atlanta was a guest on the show last week, and he is a tremendous cake baker. You want to help out a small business and do yourself a favor for mom on Mother's Day? We've got a great Mother's Day offer. First, check out Monty's fantastic cakes, all different flavors, in particular his pound cakes, but all kinds of different cakes to ship them anywhere around the country country, particularly to mom at, 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 in and around Mother's Day. Uh, take advantage of this right now for the next couple of weeks, and his small business has got great pricing uh, as it is, but now we've got a discount uh, as well. But go check out the selection of all the different flavored pound cakes. He's got these cake bonds that are very similar to like a cupcake uh, that have different flavors from uh, red velvet to dark chocolate. Oh, I, I can't wait to get my hands on some of these desserts myself. And again, if you've got a wife, if you've got a mom, if you've got an aunt, anybody that's a mom that's a relative of yours, friends, you don't know what to do, take advantage of what they have at confectionistbakeryatl.com. You get the full cake selection there. Uh, Check them out. Go into the checkout. And again, you're going to save with a special Mother's Day offer from us on Three Dog Thursday. The Mother's Day offer is 15% off. And that's just with the promo code MOM. Use MOM for Mother's Day, M-O-M, and you want to get these cakes ordered up uh, before we... we got a couple of weeks left for Mother's Day. The deadline is going to be Monday, May the 4th, but get the order in now. Get this thing shipped to mom even in advance of Mother's Day, but definitely get it in. Monday, May 4th is the deadline, so he can get the cake to mom by Sunday the 10th for Mother's Day. These ship anywhere in the country. They're deliciously flavored full cakes or even the smaller pound cakes. Send them along. Again, Confectionist Bakery ATL for Atlanta. All one thing. Confectionist, C-O-N-F-E-C-T-I-S-T. Confectionist Bakery, B-A-K-E-R-Y, ATL for Atlanta.com. 
and the special Mother's Day offer at checkout. The coupon code is MOM, 15% off your order. Order up the cakes, the cake bonds, send them to mom, send them to grandma, send them to other relatives, other friends. It's Confectionist Bakery ATL. They are proud sponsors here on Three Dog Thursday. All right, so we'll wait to see uh, what happens with those two, but you and I are in agreement. Tua, uh, I mean, you look at Herbert's numbers and his QBR, et cetera, they were worse this past year than they were even last year, and he's not doing it against as good a competition. I'll keep saying that throughout the podcast as what Tua Tagovailoa did in the SEC, and we will find out which one do the Dolphins really love, or is it another team that maybe leaps up? Remember again, the Mahomes example is the classic one in recent memory where Kansas City was back in the 20s, and they they said, we believe in this guy enough that we're going we're gonna to trade a boatload of picks and jump into the top 15 and grab him. And man, do they look smart three years later for doing that. And somebody may have the same attitude about Tua. Uh, here and let's see what that what that looks like if they do uh, try to leap up or or not um okay so a a fun one here I, i can't find a prop anywhere but one of the intriguing things is the number of trades uh it seems like this is really uh grown exponentially over the last few years trades in the first round in particular are we going to have like six trades, eight trades, 73 trades? How many trades are we going to have among the 32 teams and the 32 opening round selections? I got to believe we're going to have at least five or six, and my Buccaneers may be one of those teams, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I think somebody's going to trade into the top six. I, uh, there's a lot of smoke around maybe the Falcons wanting to move up. Um, they're, you know, there's always the Patriots. Um, you know, you never know with Belichick and, you know, we haven't seen him in need of a quarterback in what, 19, 20 years. So, <laughs> right. uh, or ever really, because he had Bledsoe even when they drafted Brady in the sixth round. So, um, I mean, there's, there's three potentially right there. And, you know, you know, like the Falcons traded, uh, last year to get the offensive tackle out of Washington, they traded into the late first round. So, but yeah, I mean, we could definitely see, uh, a busy night of trades. I hope so. We need some excitement, that's for sure. It, it is definitely um, going to be unusual, all by video conferencing. There is no doubt uh, that there there may be a glitch or two on trying to get picks in and trades in and, and do it under the wire. So we'll all watch this. It's great reality TV uh, for coming up here. Again, uh, uh, Brian Edwards from MajorWager.com is hanging out with me. Follow him at Vegas B. Edwards, by the way, on Twitter. MajorWager.com is the site. Major Wager Uno is the Twitter handle. And you've got one other note, too, with that UFC card coming in a couple of weeks. There's already a cancellation off of uh, the latest UFC pay-per-view uh, card. What, what is the latest here? Because I go to you for this. What, what's up? Yeah, so they were the May 9th card, they're planning on having three championship fights, and Amanda Nunes, the women's uh, featherweight champ, uh, has decided not to fight uh, due to the coronavirus. She does want to fight soon. In fact, she's, you know, she, she said hopefully June. 
But um, I, I guess, I, you know, I don't know if she was worried about her training or just the controversy of the coronavirus in general, but she decided she's not going to fight on that card. But, um, it, it, you know, Dana's going to have 13 monster fights on that card regardless, so I don't, I don't feel like the, the stock is that far down on the card because of this. They'll, they'll just add another great fight, and it's going to be a, um, a spectacular card on, on May 9th. And now there are reports out that, um, that it's going to be in Florida, which had already been rumored, but now there's a little more specifics on it. Uh, apparently the fighters are flying into Jacksonville, so whatever that means. I don't know if there's tribal land outside of Jacksonville. Actually, I feel like DeSantis is okay with it so especially since it'll be past may 1st so um we, we kind of think it's going to be in the northeast florida area yeah and they've talked about uh maybe that wwe uh performance center that's in the orlando area could be used or there could be another facility used we'll see we'll find out and this and the same thing may be coming with boxing coming back and having fight cards i know bob arum of top rank is even mentioning that same facility in florida where the where the uh, world wrestling entertainment performance center is could be used uh, again same scenario bring the fighters in bring their bring their management people their corner men in test them make sure they're good and then have fights uh coming probably in june or july as all of this uh, starts to unfold, we will find out. Uh, Brian, again, I always love the insight. We know it will not be dull with everything that's going to be happening here uh, with the NFL draft, for sure. Including, you know that some teams are going to are gonna find a way to screw this up somehow, some way. Not just technologically, but with the pick. We're going to have a pick or two where everybody's going to go, who? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that's part of the reality TV that is the NFL draft, right, Brian? That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, a couple of names to keep an eye on later in the draft. Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. Before he got to Vandy, the uh, cr- uh, program record for average yards per carry for a career at Vandy was 5.5. Uh, he had 6.4 yards wow, per carry. Yeah. And that was that was last year with a bad team. He had a 7.9 yards per carry average when he had a good quarterback in Kyle Shermer a couple years ago. He's going to be a fourth-round steal. And then uh, a couple other guys. I, I like P. Ryan at Florida. I like Boston College's A.J. Dillon is going to be a terrific running back. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would be a great fit with your Bucks, And I think Ooh. Lynn Bowden uh, out of Kentucky is the next Antoine Randall L, but a rich man's version that might be available in round three or four. Well, we'll see uh, on some of those different running backs. And do any of the running backs sneak into the first round? How many of them sneak into the first round uh, here? That's It's going to be very interesting. Does Edwards Hilaire uh, become one of those guys out of LSU with the way he played? Is it another running back or, or two that might be high enough up on the board uh, to get some consideration? I guess we're all going to find out as it unfolds. Brian, plug away one more time on where they can get all your information, whether it's draft-related, UFC, all the different stuff, future odds for college football. Tell them more. Yeah, when, we, when the games are back, you can get my picks at VegasInsider.com and a lot of UFC content there, MajorWager.com. BrianEdwardsSports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Vegas D Edwards. Always fun, TJ. Hope you're in your family. Stay safe and have a great weekend, my man. Still to come, Chris Stewart talking Alabama football players and the upcoming 2020 draft, including Tua Tonga Vailoa 
as well as the receiving core. And where is Jalen Hurts going to end up as well? Also, Jay Betzel, the famous Jay, will be here uh, with some insight on the Dallas-Fort Worth sports scene, including the PGA Tour coming back to life in Fort Worth, Texas. Are the NASCAR and Indy Racing Leagues going to double up on a same weekend in and around a DFW to run some races? And what about the baseball season maybe coming to Texas as well? we got a lot to discuss uh, with Jay Betzel coming up here as part of Three Dog Thursday. A reminder, Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. Look, there's no sports on TV right now. Now, we do have the NFL draft that is ongoing, and we hope that we're going to get some brand new stuff with some baseball maybe starting up or some basketball or hockey playoffs in the summer, the PGA Tour, etc. Well, you can bet on all of it when that comes around on MyBookie.ag. But for right now, what do you have? Well, what you have is the opportunity to bet on some simulated sports. If you've got that itch, you can get it scratched and win some cash. And it's not just 2K either. They've got lines and odds on NFL Madden games, the NFL, the NBA, and more with a slate of games every few hours from noon to midnight every day of the week. You can bet on these different simulations. Again, if you got to scratch that itch, it's mybookie.ag. And if you want to get in on some blackjack, they've got the free-to-enter $10,000 blackjack tournament going on right now get in there uh, even though the casinos may be shut down in vegas and in other places you can get in on my bookie's own uh, blackjack tournament game that they have going on right now go to mybookie.ag sign up use the promo code sgp go do this now sign up and again you can get up to a thousand dollar match with my bookie with that promo code again sgp is the promo code again you bet You win, you get paid with mybookie.ag. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. I say this a bunch. I mean it sincerely all the time, especially when I get a chance to talk with this guy. One of my faves is Chris Stewart, who does a tremendous job in and around the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network with their football, with their basketball, with their baseball. Chris has had... Uh, a well-documented battle with illness, with stroke, with heart surgery, and his battle back. Uh, and, and it's a fantastic story. So I love to publicly say, you, you are an inspiration to a ton of people, including me. So first of all, it's great to have you. I'm glad that you're Thanks. feeling much better. And I want to kick around some Thanks. NFL draft. But how, how are you getting along right now? Isolation, social distancing in Alabama. How are things? Here's the thing. As I told you off air, when you spent 91 days in a hospital bed, being told you have to stay around the house and in the lazy boy <laughs> or sitting out in the yard watching the kids uh, shoot on the basketball goal or that kind of stuff, that's a piece of cake. So, I, uh, you know, it, it's not ideal, but it, it's nowhere near the worst I've experienced. So that, I'm, I'm good. I this appreciate is, it. This is true, and uh, you're a veteran at handling this a lot better, and we're hoping, we are hopeful that later in May, later in this summer, that some things will begin to loosen up. 
uh, and some of yeah. the normalcy will return and some of the sports will return. But for right now, we've got the NFL draft looming for Thursday night, for Friday night, and for Saturday, this unusual virtual draft that's going to go on, whatever that is like. And hey, every year, Alabama seems to have three, five, 57, 93 guys that could go in the NFL draft. So you're an excellent resource being around that program as much as you have on the radio broadcast with Eli Gold and company and the Nick Saban TV show, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to, to ask about all of this, I, I guess first as a, as a general one, it, it's not lost on anybody that, that covers the draft how many players Alabama has had year after year after year after year after year in this thing. And here we go again with names all over the board probably on the first two nights that we're going to see. Chris, uh, what, what about it for you? you? You've now been around this program for a long time. It is almost a given that we're going to see five, seven, eight Crimson Tide players on the first couple of nights come off the board. Yeah, let this one soak in for you, though. The year before Nick Saban arrived, zero <laughs> was the number of Alabama players drafted. Entire, entirely in the whole draft. Right, right. Correct. Not one. So... That is, that's where he's taken it. Now, it's not overnight, uh, although it happened really quick that, uh, that, that everything changed in terms of the talent level. Uh, when you get Julio Jones and, and Mark Ingram on campus, that, that tends to, to start to change. But, yeah, it, it changed dramatically with his arrival, and this year is no different. There's, there's going to be a bunch there are, that, uh, there are over, that are taken in, in free agents as well. No doubt. There are over 40 four zero that have been taken in the first or second round. It's over 40. That's incredible. There, yeah. there are a lot of schools that don't have four in the first or second round in a 10-year period. Much less, much forever. less to have, or forever, much less to have yeah. 40 uh, plus in the first or the second uh, round, so uh, deservedly, uh, deservedly so with uh, with how successful that program has been. There's a lot of conversation about the Alabama receivers. We've been talking a lot on the Three Dog Thursday podcast about uh, would Jerry Judy, for example, be a top fifteen or a top ten pick? Henry Ruggs, also that name, people buzzing about them. You'd be a good one to compare this to. Both of those guys may end up getting taken in the first round. They both may end up getting yeah. taken in the top fifteen. We'll see. But you were around Julio Jones, who was much bigger physically. You were around Amari right. Cooper, as well as being around these. What about these guys, the latest 2020 Alabama wide receivers? Compare, contrast. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how quick they go, but you were around the other guys as well. What about it, Chris? Yeah, you know, and Julio was in such a unique category, and still is, by the way. Um and a good friend of mine, guy you know, colleague of yours in the in the NFL, uh, the voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham. When they when they drafted him, I talked on the phone with Wes, and I said, "Here's the thing." I said, "Yeah, he's going to make the big catch. He's going to get a high volume of catches. Basically, whatever you throw his way, he's going to grab." But the part you're going to love is when you got a running back who has about a ten or fifteen yard gain. And Julio throws a block that springs him for fifty. That's what you're gonna. That's among the things you're gonna love, and that's what he's been. He is such a, you know, Julio was and is such a physical receiver. In addition to having the speed, 
in addition to having the great hands, I, I don't know that there's anybody else in his category. Uh, you know, both Judy and Ruggs are, are big and strong, but they're not monster strong like Julio. But Judy, if you leave him in space for a second, he's gone. And it ain't like Ruggs is slow either. Okay, <laughs> They're just um, – they're both a phenomenal combination of, of great hands, great speed, and they've played in systems where you don't have to worry how that will a- adjust and adapt to – the National Football League. You know, things have changed at Alabama, as you well know. Uh, you know I'll go way back when Ozzie Newsom is coming coming out years and decades ago. You know, everybody thought he's going to be really good, but it's not like Coach Bryant was slinging it around the field a lot back in those days. So now you've got a true read on what these guys can do, who they are, and how they'll fit in. And that's, I think, why whoever takes them wherever they take them is going to do so with a high level of confidence on draft night. Well, here's a couple of interesting tidbits that we'll wait to see. Uh, I, I know that uh, we, we've talked about this on this podcast. Brian Edwards was bringing this up, too. Todd McShay, the ESPN draft analyst, has been raving about Jerry Judy to the point that he said uh, there's, there's exaggeration, there's over-exaggeration, there's, dra- there's draft over-exaggeration, but McShay said in watching college game tape for the last 10 years, he said, Jerry Judy is the best college route runner I have seen in 10 years of watching this. And so that is high praise yeah. about his ability to run routes. And then on the Ruggs comparison, everybody keeps saying Tyreek Hill of the Chiefs, the speedster, get him in open space, whether it whether it be an, an easy slant pass or something across the middle where he breaks free, get him on a bubble screen, get him on a return, get him deep one-on-one. That's that's where Ruggs is going to be a weapon, and the, and the comparisons are Tyreek Hill, like Tyreek Hill with that speed. So that's high praise, Chris, when you hear that kind of stuff on well, where these guys get taken. It is, and they're going to be just about any roster they go to. And look, I know everybody everybody that's drawing a check in that league can play, or you don't draw a check. But you got to remember, there were four guys on Alabama's receiving core last year that averaged better than 40 yards per game <laughs> in receptions. Okay, four. Um Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, who are you going to key on if you are one of those, you know, if you're the opposing defense? Not to mention you had Najee Harris coming out of the backfield you could throw it to. So, uh, you know, Ruggs and Judy averaged better than 15 yards per catch. Ruggs averaged almost 19 yards per reception. So when they get more balls thrown to them as you would think would happen at this next level when they're not in a you know not on a uh, a roster where they're they're going to ha- be spreading the wealth as much I know they will but not to the degree probably that they had happen in Alabama it's uh it's going to be really interesting to watch no doubt about that love talking with Chris Stewart he's at C Stewart Sports on Twitter Chris with the Crimson Tide Sports Network at Alabama on their radio uh, coverage of football, basketball, 
uh, baseball, also the Nick Saban television show. All right, so you would be another great resource on talking about Jalen Hurts, who's available in this draft, and that Tua guy, Tua Tagovailoa, who's also available. Yeah, uh, they've won some national championships. I seem to recall being there for a couple of them. Um, yeah. So uh, let's go to let's go to Tua first. Fun one for you. What what says to you Tua's going to be great at the next level if he is going to be great? What what says that to you, having been around him? The talent level, the toughness, the mentality. Uh, I think he's got, you know, unique skills. The ball explodes out of his hand, and yet he's got great touch. He's been in the most pressure-packed of situations uh, already. Uh, you know, he, he's been in championship games with the weight of the world on his shoulders, and we know how he's responded. So uh, I, I think he's got that. He's got that going for him. Um, unbelievable touch to go with the rocket arm, not afraid to to throw it into a tight window. He's He's got the guts to make the tough pass, but he's also got numbers that show uh, he's got pretty good wisdom, too, in that he doesn't have a high level of uh, picks, high number of picks, good choices, wise with, with what he does. Uh, and by the way, despite the injury, from all accounts, still good speed and we saw what he could do before guy could tuck it and run and was a very dangerous threat as well so he's the total package if and it's a huge if but if everything has healed as we have heard it has and he's back to the guy before the the uh, injury against mississippi state he's not just really good he's a lead he's special and he's worthy of being a very, very high draft pick. And I am on the record as saying, I don't know what's going to happen here, but if Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, who has more of the size and the measurables and that kind of, if if he's taken before Tua, that's a colossal mistake. But let's see, let's see how it plays out. But I'm one of the, yeah. and I'm one of those that kept saying it's a mistake to not take Deshaun Watson a couple of years ago. And I'm talking to a guy that saw it firsthand at field level at the games that <laughs> I was at as well. It's a mistake right. not to take Tua Tonga-Vailoa before Justin Herbert. I'm just continuing to say that. Um, I've only got a few minutes left with you before I've got to run, and you've got to run as well. Jalen Hurts, very interesting yeah. story because he had national championship success at Alabama. You have raved to me in the past about what a great guy, what a great teammate off the field. He goes to Oklahoma and has high-level success there. What do we not know that we should know about Jalen Hurts that may very well make him a first-round pick? We believe he'll go in the first couple of rounds of the draft to someone somewhere. But what about Jalen Hurts? Tell me a little bit about him for a minute. Here's the question I would have. What more do you need to see? You know, is he he one of the top three or four guys as a passer? No, not in this class necessarily. Is he a bad choice? As a high round draft pick, no, because you're not going to have to worry about anything off the field. Um, if he was coming along in in other years, he's probably looked at as a top three or four guy as a as an overall quarterback. 
You know he's a leader. You know he's not going to be a problem in the locker room. You know he's a team guy. And, oh, by the way, he's pretty skilled, okay? Uh, I think he's a great choice for the right fit in the right place, just like any guy. Wrong fit, wrong place, going to struggle. But I think if, if he goes to the right team, the right system with the right expectations for what he can do, he can have a very lengthy and very successful NFL career. Again, Chris Stewart was there every step of the way when Jalen Hurts led Alabama to a national championship. And then, it should be pointed out, he got him in the end zone in Tampa in the in the back-to-back Absolutely. attempt with about a minute left. And Deshaun Watson then went down the field and took it back in the final seconds, or else you're talking about back-to-back titles uh, in that instance. And then they got back to the championship game again, mostly with Jalen Hurts. Uh, at uh, at quarterback, so we'll see. I don't know they how got he... back to the title. They got back to the title game completely with Jalen Hurts. That's correct. That's correct. They, just, they won it. They won it with two in the in the second half. But he's the one that got them all the way there. That is uh, that is very true, and we'll see how it translates to the NFL or doesn't translate to the NFL. But one more good point is is he accepted being put on the bench. Uh, a couple of seasons ago at Alabama and accepted that role and waited his turn and then played huge in the SEC title game with Georgia when Tua was hurt no in that in that instance to help Georgia yeah. get on. So he's a great teammate um, is another he, part he of is this. Still, he is still beloved by Alabama fans. He wore a uniform for, uh, for Oklahoma the, the last year, but there were a ton of people pulling for Boomer Sooner wearing crimson and white not crimson and cream <laughs> well, uh he, they they love him and always will because of how he handled that situation and how he played great point and he goes to to uh lincoln riley's uh offense that let, let's see the last two number one picks have been kyler murray and baker mayfield so the oklahoma system which he ran and he ran effectively uh, has produced right. well as well. We'll see what happens um, with Jalen Hurts. Again, I got a role here in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, th- this will be interesting to see. I, I believe we've already seen this with that Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, debuting on Sunday night that had, Chris, I don't know if you saw this, over six and a oh, half yeah. million people watching. The draft might have 20 million people watching on Thursday night, literally, at 15 or 20 million. We're all interested in this. And I know you're going to be sure. smiling, watching to see what happens with the Alabama guys. I'm going to be working on the Bucks radio broadcast to see who the Buccaneers take. Of course, we took over. O.J. Howard uh, in the first round as the tight end back a few years ago. I remember getting Chris Stewart on the air for that uh, as well. We never know how this is going to work out, but Chris, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all unfolds and we're all going to be watching. Here's what I know. Nobody's going to get a steal at number three better than the Bulls did with MJ. (laughs) That's very true. There are steals and then there's that steal. Uh, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's all kinds of ones. I was I was watching a clip of the 89 draft. They were showing some of the 1989 draft as it happened on ESPN, where still to this oh, day, yeah. you shake your head at Michigan State at number number two. The Detroit Lions take Michigan State tackle Tony Mandrich instead of Barry uh, Sanders at number three. Yep. So Lions, the Lions get Sanders at three because the Packers took Mandrich. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you never know in these drafts. You we never think, know. We think we know, and then we don't know. Uh, but I, I appreciate you. You, try- what you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, well, there we and, and we do know what we don't know, and we we don't know the more that we watch. And now that we've confused ourselves, listen, I always have fun yeah. talking with you. We'll see how it plays Thank out for some of these Crimson Tide players in the draft. Continued good health in isolation. We will talk and do this Thank again. Uh, I hope we have college football in the fall as well. Chris Stewart, you're the best. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much. We do roll along all things that are going on, the NFL draft primarily, but there are other things that could be happening soon in sports. We do believe, for example, that the PGA Tour is going to resume in June. They've announced a new schedule uh, with a bunch of events being wiped out, obviously because of the coronavirus and uh, happening in March and April and major championships being moved. Well, they're going to try to gear back up with the regular tour and start things up in Fort Worth, Texas, at Colonial Country Club, the Charles Schwab Cup, I believe, or the Charles Schwab Invitational, or it's it's something to do with Charles Schwab. Uh, to help Charles me with Schwab Challenge. the Charles Schwab Challenge, to help me with all of this, is the unelected mayor of Fort Worth, my guy. He he is my uh, my wingman on the uh, we've seen that movies podcast and all things DFW, but in particular Fort Worth is Jay Betzel, aka the famous Jay. Big time, how are you? Good, man. What is up? Uh, you're up because golf <laughs> golf is resuming and the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial may be one of the first live professional sporting events uh, in the U.S. here. I, I know Dana White's going to have a UFC fight card coming up in May and there, you know, there might be something, but it looks like Colonial is apparently going to resume the PGA Tour season before we get to a moved U.S. Open, a moved PGA Championship, a moved Masters to November. Uh, what do we know? Tell me more about all of this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so you know what? Back when all of this stuff started, kind of, you know, started a lot with the uh, NBA. It was like Wednesday night. I believe it was March 11th, somewhere around there, when the NBA – I was at the Maverick game when all that was going on. Right. And they suspended their season. And the following day, the Players' Championship was in Florida at TBC Sawgrass, and they played the first round with fans, and the plan was to go forward the next three days with no fans. And then that night, about 11.45, you know, we, all the, everybody's phone started beeping because they canceled the Players' Championship. And that was a huge deal because, of course, the Players' Championship is essentially the Super Bowl of the PGA Tour. And then they um, they postponed – sorry, they canceled a few more events, and then they canceled a few more events. The Masters announced they were going to postpone. And then, of course, subsequently it's been announced it's going to be in November. And the DFW area where I live, we have two PGA Tour events. We have the AT&T Byron Nelson in Dallas, and we have the Charles Schwab Challenge in Colonial. And they are sandwiched around the PGA Championship. So the PGA Tour cancels events all the way through the Nelson. The PGA Championship announces they're going to postpone, which leaves us the next event on the calendar that has not been canceled or postponed, the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth played at Colonial Country Club. And that was originally scheduled to be in May, I believe May 21st was the Thursday it was going to start. And in the meantime, the PGA Tour has announced their updated schedule which begins with the Colonial, the Charles Schwab Challenge, but it is now moved into June, and it will be, be played the week of June 11th, and it's the week that originally was going to be the RBC Canadian Open, 
which was canceled due to some stuff going on up in Toronto, where right. they had already said no outdoor gatherings through in, into July, I believe. So that week became open. And so now that's kind of where we are. It's uh, set for the week, June 11th through 14th, with no fans. So that's going to, it's right now, and, you know, as, as we speak, of course, it's a fluid situation, as they say. As we speak, it's the next thing to be on the, the schedule for the PGA Tour, the first event back with no fans. And obviously a lot is riding on this because if it can go smoothly, you know, then we can keep going and try this and see how it works. There's obviously, you know, between now and then where we're, we're in mid-April right now, this is still, you know, almost two months away. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. Of course. Say, say it goes, you know, it's, it goes and it goes without a hitch. It's a huge deal for sports fans who, you know, we've just been longing for sports. If you turn on ESPN every night, there's a, the Dodgers game with Kirk Gibson from 88 was on, you know, the other night. Like, you know, they've also had the uh, Celtics Lakers from yep. Kobe versus Kevin Garnett and Pierce. I mean, so it, don't get me wrong. It's kind of, it's cool seeing stuff like this, but at the same time, you know, we just, we crave the sports because it brings all of us together and that's what this could do. And are you familiar with the PGA Tour player Max Homa? Uh, yes, a little bit. Okay, he won the Wells Fargo Championship last year, and he has a podcast called Get a Grip with Shane Bacon, which anyone yes. listening is awesome, awesome show to listen to. And uh, yesterday, when I was listening to them, their, their, their show that came out this week, that dropped this week, they were breaking down the new schedule. And Max Homa said he predicts, kind of all circling back to where this all started, he predicts a players' championship type field for the Colonial because so many guys are itching to play, and you, there's a lot of other logistics that go into this. Uh, DFW Airport is about the easiest airport to get into from because you can get nonstop flights from everywhere around here. You know, right? And granted, obviously, take the international part out because there's different stories there. But everyone that's in the U.S. can get to DFW Airport without much problem, and DFW Airport's 25 minutes from Colonial Country Club. So there's, there's certain things that you might not think about for certain events, like maybe the quad cities or something like that, the, the ease of getting there and the ease of travel. But that's one particular thing that can make the Charles Schwab challenge you know, logistically be, might be able to happen. Well, and, and there's a couple of factors with this without getting into all the minutia because you and I love golf and not everybody on this podcast knows all about golf and all about all the details. But this is common sense, too. These guys, a, a lot, in a lot of cases, have been without a check for the last couple of months. Now, some of them uh, are sustainable off of endorsements, uh, and it just depends. Again, this is not a sports league. The PGA Tour is not a sports league that's paying its players. The players are essentially independent contractors and have their own deals. But uh, for a lot of these guys, uh, a part of their living has been lost in March and April because they have not been able to play events, and it will be the same thing in May. So they're itching to play from the competitive sense, but there's a financial part of this. And then there's also the status, their PGA Tour card status that's up in, up in the air, and their status for major championships by playing and doing well in events, official world golf ranking. So there's a lot of incentive. I saw an interview with Jason Day, or at least a blurb about the interview, where he says that when this resumes uh, on his schedule, he will play 12 of the 14 weeks. And 12 out of the 14 weeks is very uncommon. Most golfers will maybe play three weeks at a time at the most and take a week or two off. A lot of them only play a couple of weeks and then take a week or two off. So when you're talking about 12 times in 14 weeks, that is unusual at the high level, at the high end of golf. 
He was talking about he's going to play 12 out of 14 weeks once they get into the middle of of June, all the way through the PGA Tour playoffs and all the way through the U.S. Open that's going to play at the beginning of September. So that tells you, to your point, about itching itching to play, but also financially and also competitively for your tour card and your status. That's what these guys... Uh, all have to do. So I guess the natural follow-up here is what is the reaction when there are no fans that can be there? Because a lot of us will be curious to tune in all over the country, but this is usually an event where where thousands upon thousands look forward to being there, being around the golfers, and they're not going to be any fans. What, if any, reaction have you heard, have you read there locally about the fact that it's going to be a, a guinea pig test here? No fans, Jay Betzel. Right, yeah, this one usually, it's packed. You know, it's a smaller venue. The The tournament's been going since the 40s. I believe the club itself opened in 36, and, you know, it's a historic venue. You know, they had the U.S. Open in 1941. You know, we mentioned a Players' Championship type field. They actually held the Players' Championship in 1975. So it's, it's you know, got a lot of history, and there's the Wall of Champions that's on the first tee. It's got Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, Lee Trevino. Obviously, Ben Hogan is synonymous with Colonial. A lot of great names that were there. Um, and I think that from the Fort Worth standpoint, you know, it's about the biggest social event of the year for everybody to go to. But at the same time, you know, Fort Worth, it's, it's like the 13th biggest city in the U.S., but it kind of has a small town feel to it. And I think there's some pride that Fort Worth is taking, knowing that we would be hosting this and we would have the responsibility of getting this one right. And kind of on a side note, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, announced that he's been talking with the racing uh, companies about hosting a race weekend in Fort Worth at Texas Motor Speedway, where they would have NASCAR on one day and Indy the next day. So it's kind of funny to think that just be a lot of it having to do with the airport and the ease of getting in here, but that Fort Worth could kind of be like the epicenter of sports coming back. And, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier, the chance to have a really good field, um, and Mac Engel, of course, our telegram had an article today, you know, because this has been the question pretty much every year since 1997 when Tiger Woods played his only time here is, is he going to come back to Fort Worth? And there's been talk about, oh, he was signed with American Express and it was the MasterCard Colonial. So he's waiting, you know, <laughs> there's been all kinds of reasons over the years and, you know, whether it's rationalization or whatever, but it's always just been doubt he'll come back. And then there was one year at the Byron Nelson where the morning news golf writer Bill Nichols interviewed him. And Tiger straight up said, this course does not fit my game. It's better for persimmons and woods and stuff like that. And, you know, so it's basically just kind of been understood. He ain't coming back. But, you know, there's, of course, been the talk, well, maybe he would. You know, it'd be neat for him to play. It'd be great, you know, because everyone assumes the TV ratings would be just off the charts because it'd be live sports if we're all getting to watch. It's not something that's already happened and predetermined. It's not a, a documentary you're watching on ESPN, a 30 for 30. It's not a you know, uh, PGA Tour Classics. It's not last year's Masters. You know, it's something new. And so, like I said, from a pride standpoint, I think, yes, there will not be fans there. I mean, it'll be weird because of, you're so used to seeing the grandstands and just the thousands of people around 18 when people come in and Crampton's Lake right there. But, yeah, I think it's if, if it actually goes off, I don't know necessarily that Tiger would be here, but, you know, nothing would surprise me. And, if you know, we've also got here in the state of Texas about three hours south of me, we have the Dell Match Play, the um, right. WGC event. And obviously it was one of the tournaments that got canceled this year. But last year when we went down there to cover it and Tiger played, it was his first time in the state of Texas to play in a tour event since the 2005 Byron Nelson when he missed the cut. So we, we at least know that he, he's good with coming to Texas and everything. And we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. But either way, whether he's here or not, it's going to be a huge event. 
Well, and if you get some combination with Tiger, with Rory McIlroy, hypothetically, don't know that he'll be there. Phil, the the bigger names that are in the game. Jordan Spieth is obviously local. Uh, I mean, if you get something like that, um, and, and you know Ricky Fowler, who's immensely popular. I mentioned Jason Day, those kind of names. Let's see, let's see what it looks like uh, when golf right. resumes. Well, and let me let me interject for a second. Ricky Fowler has played here a lot in the last few years. Brooks Kepka played here a couple of years ago and finished there second. You go. And Justin Rose just went crazy and he won. Uh, Adam Scott won in 2014. You know Phil Mickelson's won the tournament a couple times. You know it's not like this is a small event that no one plays at. They've got a they annually get a really good field. They just annually don't get Tigers. So, you know, it, it kind of yep. depends on how you look at it, which slant is put on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, look for all these guys to to be coming out. I mean, and two, you talked about the finances earlier. I have read that the two were set up a deal where they were um, – they had kind of like a revolving line of credit where players could borrow up to $300,000 against future earnings. So that could be something some of those guys that may have borrowed some of that money they need to play to yep. start paying them back. Yep. And then, you know, you've also got the, to factor in that, you know, the guys we mentioned, the top 20 or 30 guys that have deals with net jets and stuff, you know, and have mansions in South Florida and <laughs> so on and so forth. Yes, they, they might not be as worried about it, but the guys that are, you know, 40, 50 and on down that, you know, when, when you have these events where they play them on site at Ritz Carlton's in four seasons, these guys are staying down the street at the La Quinta. You know, these, these are the guys that this is their job. You know, they're, they're not the jet setters that we see playing in the skins games or the hero world challenge. These are the guys that are out grinding and trying to make it, you know, and also another side note to that is the colonial, the Charles Schwab challenge is an invitational. So it, it always has a field of 120. It's a limited event, similar to the Tigers event at Riviera or the Arnold Palmer challenge, the Memorial Jack Nichols tournament. It's that it's got that status. With everything going on, the tour has extended, and now it has 144 players in the field, so it has a 24 players more than normal. And like I said, Mac Engel, the Star Telegram I mentioned earlier, in his article, he has a Ryan Palmer who is on PG Tour. He has a couple quotes from him, and he lives here locally in a suburb of Colleyville. And he mentioned that um, he thinks a lot of guys will be coming from people he's talked to. So that's you know, like I said, there's just a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement about the tournament. Well, there's no doubt that Jay Betzel's in the middle of it. He's the famous Jay on Twitter, on social media, on Instagram. Again, uh, I always love his insight on all things, but in particular in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You piqued my interest not only talking about the racing at Texas Motor Speedway, which again, a lot like golf, that is much easier to to understand and accept that you're in a race car in terms of spread of the, of the coronavirus, etc. You're in race cars going 200 miles an hour, so... There, there, and again, there would be no fans in the stands, so that's interesting. And now we see reports, whatever Major League Baseball is going to decide to do later this summer, one of the scenarios being discussed is that they would either play, well, there were several scenarios, either all the games in Arizona uh, because of the proximity of, of about a 50-mile radius of a bunch of minor league and spring training stadiums where you could play and the indoor stadium in downtown Phoenix where the Diamondbacks play. Then there has been talk of a second scenario of splitting things. The, the Cactus League in Arizona, the Grapefruit League in Florida for spring training where the teams go to their sites, train at their facility, controlled environment, play games in empty stadiums, and you can go inside in St. Pete, uh, where the Rays play, you could go down to Miami and be inside if you're the teams in South Florida at the spring trading sites and avoid rainouts. And now we hear that also being discussed, just being discussed, not definite, 
that you could put a pod of teams in Texas to play in minor league stadiums or empty stadiums, but they might also use the new Ranger Stadium that it was it was due to debut this month, uh, and also the Astros Stadium, and and be able to use those in the event of rain, bad weather, heat, go inside and play games. So Jay, just real quick, what do you hear about that? What do you think of that possible scenario that some of the Major League Baseball teams and season may be playing in Texas now? Well, I've seen a, a couple notes on it. Evan Grant, the Dallas Morning News, had a story yesterday about Globe Life Field, which is the Rangers' new stadium, possibly being a host for um, Major League Baseball games. And one of the original things I had seen was the talk about Arizona was that they would have all the spring training facilities, but that Chase Field, where the Diamondbacks play, essentially, I think Scott Boris, the agent, said this, they could have a triple header there every day. Because it's controlled, it's and it's indoors, and it doesn't matter how hot it is. Exactly. You know, and the same thing here. They could have they could have games start at ten o'clock in the morning at Globe Life Field if they want, because it's indoors. It's a retractable roof. It's very similar looking to Minute Maid Park where the Astros play. They have a very similar design. But yeah, I mean, I could see it happening. And you know, you factor in, you know, we, here in the Dallas Fort area, the Globe Life Field is actually in Arlington, which is in the center of DFW. And that is, it's literally next door to the Rangers' old stadium, Globe Life Park, which was retrofitted for the XFL. So it is not set up for baseball anymore. And AT&T Stadium, where the Cowboys play, they're all literally in the same same parking lot. And and one thing about that is, obviously, with AT&T Stadium, we've had the Super Bowl, the Final Four, all kinds of crazy events. So, you know, the hotels, everything you need, the logistics, the infrastructure is here for it. And as we mentioned earlier with the Colonial, you've got the easy of getting in and getting out with DFW Airport. So I, I could certainly see it happening, and you know, especially, too, we've also got multiple minor league teams here. We have a team in Grand Prairie, which is a suburb of – it's actually literally about 10 minutes past um, AT&T Stadium and Globe Life Field on I-30. We have up in Frisco where the Cowboys headquarters are. There is a Dr. Pepper ballpark where the Rangers minor league team the um, in Frisco plays. So there's a lot of others. You know, we have TCU, SMU. We have a handful of teams um, of colleges that also have – like baseball fields, the, the field at TCU is really nice. You know, they've had, they host a lot of the uh, super regionals because the TCU baseball teams had a lot of success and been to the college world series on multiple occasions. So it's, you know, it certainly could be doable. I mean, if you talk about spreading across Texas, I mean, that's, that's a little different. Cause like I heard the Dell diamond down in uh, round rock, which is down by Austin, where we mentioned the Dell match play and the university of Texas is down there. You know, those are some options, obviously Houston. I mean, but now we're talking four to five hours away. So if you want to keep everybody in a bubble, I don't know how logistically that <laughs> right, would work. But right. I mean, I mean, if you're talking about the bubble, the, the uh, Arizona thing would probably be the best. But yeah, it's just I think you know, if for sports fans and just humans in general who want to get things back to normal and you know, and you're close to normal as we can, have a little bit of hope. Just it, I wouldn't take anything off the table. I agree with you. And then in the Florida thing, while it's intriguing, it is so spread out. Because, again, a lot of the teams train in my area in Tampa, St. Pete, but a lot of them train two and a half hours or so to the south. And then you've got another cluster of teams that train over in the Fort Lauderdale uh, East Coast area, uh, you know, just north of Miami. And so if you're trying to my point is, if you're trying to have those teams play each other, it's not like they're right next door. Uh, for the proximity idea like in Phoenix. So we'll see what baseball does. And uh, look, you're a, you're a baseball fan like I am. You're anxious to see all of this. Again, we're not going to have fans involved. It's going to be televised. So that's going to be the new normal apparently for 2020. 
but they've got to try to figure out. I, I don't see any way, Jay, quick thought. They're not playing 162 games. You never say never, but at this point, they're so far behind. I don't think they can play 162. I think it's ambitious to play 120 games, and we may be down to a 100-game unusual regular season to get all 30 teams to play 100 games and then play a postseason sometime in October or maybe even in November in neutral sites, indoors, that kind of thing. Because you can't be playing in November where the snow's coming down and it's 25 degrees in some of these cities, even if it is an empty stadium. That's me saying that. What What's your thought on all that? Go ahead. Yeah. 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 You can't do that in November. So I don't know, Jay. I don't know if we're going to see 162 or 120 or 100 games, but I want to see some baseball later this year, and we'll see what they come up with. And Texas may be part of that. It, it may very well I be. I agree. And, you know, just to, to answer your question, the, the the 162, I've always thought it's a bit much, you know, especially since they've expanded the playoffs. It's kind of like you should almost have one or the other because the reason to have such a long season is you don't need the extra rounds of the playoffs. But I understand so much of it is business. But now since they are not um, – having to deal with worrying about the gate, if there's not going to be any fans, you know, now they worry about providing product to the MLB network or TBS or Fox sports or whoever's paying them to show these games. So they could easily have double headers all the time. I mean, granted, you know, the baseball players association is like the most powerful union ever. So it'll probably have to go through them on stuff like that. But, you know, you can probably see them pulling off, you know, even if it was a half season, 81 games, or maybe even a hundred games, you can probably see them pulling it off because you can do double headers without having to worry about losing any revenue gate-wise because there's no gate. You know, just a thought. Let's see what they come up with for baseball. Again, the famous Jay is with me, Jay Betzel. He's at the famous Jay on Twitter. You can also read his stuff at DFW Sports Online. DFW for Dallas Fort Worth. DFW Sports Online. Jay and I also, by the way, uh, host a movies podcast. We've seen that. We're on hiatus at the moment, but we've got some classic. Uh, movie reviews of 80s and 90s movies, including baseball movies. We did a baseball uh, movies podcast with Rob Dibble that's in the archive. Go to We've Seen That on uh, on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcast, etc. Uh, we, we talked about baseball movies from Bull Durham to The Natural, uh, on and on. Um, it's fun to listen to Dibble talk, uh, oh. critique uh, Charlie Sheen <laughs> in Major League. For that. Yes, so Dibble on the baseball lo- movies. We also did uh, for Love of the Game, right, with Kevin Costner and Kelly he Preston, did. and the love story about him pitching a perfect game for the Tigers. So if you're if you're jonesing for some from some sports aspects of uh, of we've seen that our podcast, you can go check into that. Uh, again, wherever you find podcasts, look for We've Seen That. It's We've Seen That on Twitter. It's We've Seen That on Facebook. And again, we, we do comedies like The Breakfast Club. We do uh, action movies like Predator uh, from the 80s. Uh, you know, We come forward to the Shawshank Redemption. We go backwards to Beverly Hills Cop 2. I'm probably going to leave one or two out that you like. We we did pretty my favorite movie, A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men, Pretty Woman, uh, Hoosiers. Go back and forth in the 80s and the 90s. Go to we've seen that, but in particular, if you're missing the baseball, uh, we've got baseball shows that we did. Uh, and, and also other sports, whether it's the Hoosiers podcast, if you're a Hoops fan, uh, where we, we reviewed that Gene Hackman, Dennis Hopper classic. Uh, likewise, any given Sunday that you and I did, and former Dallas Cowboy Je- uh, Jesse Holly is on that one with us, reviewing any given Sunday with Al Pacino and Cameron Diaz and Jamie Foxx and Dennis Quaid. Give us a listen at We've Seen That. Uh, go check it out again under Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Go check out We've Seen That. 
and, and listen up to the shows because Jay and I have a, have a fun time with that. And who knows, we may, we may come off hiatus. We got time on our hands. We may come off hiatus with some new We've Seen That shows. We'll, uh, we'll find out here in the near future. If you can pull me away from watching old Tiger Woods videos on PGA <laughs> Tour. Yeah, okay, but wait a minute. Not just that. Before I, w- I want to talk Dallas Cowboys draft in a second because we're talking Dallas Cowboys draft too here on Three Dog Thursday or Cowboys or, or NFL draft or teams drafts and what the Cowboys might do. But you are big, and who wasn't the other night in this uh, Chicago Bulls 97-98 season, the last dance, the last year of the Bulls. Uh, the documentary debuted the other night, and, and much the same way as Jay Betzel's podcast and internet items, six and a half million people tuned in to watch the premiere episode the other night, uh, which only makes you wonder how many people are going to tune in for the NFL draft coverage on ABC, ESPN, and the NFL Network If there, if there, in primetime, if there was that many for the documentary of the Bulls when you knew, as you say, what was going to happen and already what has happened. Now you don't know what's going to happen with the draft, how many people are going to tune in. But you, you were riveted, I was riveted, a lot of sports fans were riveted to watch the, the, the behind-the-scenes, in particular, of the start of the 97-98 season where the Bulls won six championships in eight games. And I know you want to talk about a couple of different things with that. So real quick, just an overall thought on the debut of it? Well, you mentioned six and a half people, and that's just who watched it the first night. You know, the generation we're in now, people DVR it and watch it later, or they watch it on the ESPN, the Watch ESPN app, whichever theirs is called. So there's no telling how many people have actually watched it by the time it's said and done. I mean, we'll probably be well over 10 million people. And um, yeah, I was going to say, I really loved it. That was my time to grow up watching the NBA. We've talked about this plenty of times on air and off the air about how you know, the Lakers, Celtics, and Sixers of the 80s was a little before my time. I vaguely remember a little bit of it, but um, I fully remember the the Pistons, the bad boys of Motown, and obviously saw that transition into the Bulls with their repeat, three-peat. And, I, you know, I just fortunate I got to see Michael Jordan play a bunch of times because um, I had access to go to the Maverick games back then when I was a kid. And I would go to a lot of them, not just when the Bulls came to town, but I really loved going to NBA games. And the Mavericks were not very good in the 90s. It's, it's probably pretty safe to say before Mark Cuban bought the team in 2000 that it might have been the worst franchise in all of professional sports, not just the NBA. I mean, they, they probably rivaled the Clippers to see who was the worst in all sports. But um, one particular highlight was the uh, last dance season, the 97-98 season, the uh, the Bulls came to town, and that was probably the only sellout of the year at Reunion Arena for the Mavericks that year. And it was over 18,000, and I remember they made mm. a big deal of it. It was the uh, largest crowd to ever watch a basketball game at Reunion Arena. Now they, and they hosted the Final Four. They hosted the NBA All-Star Game the year Spud Webb won the uh, slam dunk contest. The Final Four, help me remember, was it Louisville that won? Correct. Louisville, so, Louisville I mean, and Never Nervous Purpose, right. There. It's not like we're talking about a little auditorium. <laughs> you know, and so the big deal – and the the Bulls, this game's on YouTube, and I watched it the other day in preparation for us talking about it so I could actually get this right. But the Bulls just had their way with the Mavericks, and they were they were healthy, and all of them were there. There was no load management back then like now. And um, so you had Jordan, Rodman, Pippen, you know, Luke Longley. They were all there, Ron Harper. They were all playing. And um, the Bulls had their way with them for most of the game. And with like a minute left in the game, the Mavericks went on a 10-0 run to tie the game and sent it to overtime. And that 10-0 run included a backcourt violation by the Bulls, Scotty Pippen getting a five-second violation when he tried to take the ball out of bounds and they denied him the timeout. Um, and Cedric Sabalos was a, a off guard for the Mavericks at the time. 
just heaved up this three-pointer from the corner. It looked like Vince Carter's shot in the playoffs against the Spurs a couple years ago that went in and tied the game. And then the game goes to overtime, and the Mavericks just had their way with them and ended up winning, uh, I believe it was 114-107. to 107. And, um, and, like, Phil Jackson got up and left during the overtime. He was so disgusted with how bad his team was playing. And, again, we got go, go, to go here in a second but uh, to move on to the draft and then Cowboys. But that was a horrible Mavericks team beating the two-time defending champions going for a sixth title in eight years. To say this was an upset, this was a stunning set of circumstances. And this is why you're big time, because you were there. And you may end up being in the documentary, Famous Jay. They may have a crowd. Shot of I you in the last dance. It, but I will say this: that a lot of people, a lot of Mavericks fans, did leave because the traffic in Green Arena was so bad, the parking situation. So a lot of people left early and missed it. And it was it was certainly a fun time. And I'm curious to see how they handled the documentary because I have read a couple times the great Sam Smith, the Chicago writer that's done so many bold things. Uh, he have written something or read something he wrote where it was basically saying that that was kind of the um, the motivation Phil Jackson needed to kind of whip them into shape for the stretch run. All right, so uh, we've we've talked enough about golf and about theoretical uh, baseball, and again, the last dance documentaries that are coming on uh, ESPN on Sunday nights with that ninety seven ninety eight Bulls team. I'm riveted, just like everybody else, to watch that and to watch it unfold. And of course, the famous Jay is intertwined. Jay Betzel with me here uh, from DFW Sports Online, and he's at the famous Jay on social media. All things Dallas Fort Worth. Go through the unelected mayor of Fort Worth. Uh, here, okay. So speaking of which, you're in and around uh, the Dallas Cowboys a bunch and their game day stuff and covering them, and you've been around for a bunch of their drafts. Lord knows what uh, Jerry and Stephen Jones are actually going to do here with new coach Mike McCarthy in the draft. It's the 17th pick. So the the question becomes, what will the Cowboys do again? With the understanding, many things could happen in front of them. Uh, trades, other other picks, or whatever. So we don't really know what the Cowboys are going to do, but it, it's never a dull moment, famous Jay, around what the what the Cowboys and the Joneses do on draft night, right? Just as a general comment, right? And you know, my my general thing about the draft is I'm really curious to see how it goes with all the technology and everything. I saw the other day when they did their little the mock draft to try and test some of the technology that they had trouble in the very first pick like the nfl <laughs> not the cowboys so I'm, I'm really curious just to see how it goes and similar to when we were talking about earlier about golf i'm just excited to have something live to follow what about you I'm with you on that, and again, I'll be hosting another shameless plug. I'll be hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio draft coverage on the flagship station for the Buccaneers radio network and uh, and the Buccaneers mobile app. So we're going to be remotely doing the radio instead of being at the stadium with the fans because of the social distancing and the coronavirus. We're going to be watching on TV like everybody else with the video conferencing. It's definitely going to be interesting. It's and and they're going to be 15, 20 million, maybe maybe 20 million people probably watch this Thursday night because the NFL is king and we're starved for the content. Jay, you're absolutely right. Definitely. I was going to mention something, too, just kind of a little subtle plug for my friends over with the Dallas Cowboys. DallasCowboys.com is doing a thing because uh, they always have a huge Dallas Cowboys draft party. It's either at AT&T Stadium or out at the Star in Frisco. And this one, obviously, with nobody being able to gather, they're having one on DallasCowboys.com called Cowboys Draft Live. And it's going to be co-hosted by Demarcus Ware and Jamie Foxx. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned earlier our, our movies podcast we did any given Sunday where Jamie Foxx played uh, Steve and Willie Beeman. 
So Dallas Cowboys fans, that, that's a kind of a subtle plug there. If you want to follow along there, um, it's 7 o'clock on Thursday night. They're going to have Jamie Foxx and Bill Marcus Ware doing a Cowboys draft show. So I don't expect the full breakdown of, of the upcoming Cowboy draft, but there is a lot of excitement that Dak Prescott is back with the franchise tag, that Amari Cooper got a massive contract. There is a, there, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is obviously there. There's a lot of optimism. But again, the, the Cowboys have frequently made strange picks, especially in the first round. So it will, again, one more time, it will not be dull, whatever Dallas does. Right. You remember a few years back when they drafted Zach Martin when everybody thought they would take Johnny Football, and that obviously turned out to be the right move because Zach Martin is likely going to be in the Hall of Fame, and we know what happened with Johnny Manziel. <laughs> it just didn't quite work out. It's kind of like the XFL. It just didn't quite work out. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. You know, they trade a lot. A lot of times they'll trade down. You know, they've kind of got that from even back to the good old days for Cowboys fans of Jimmy Johnson. You know, they were always wheeling, dealing, moving up, moving down, moving around, you name it. So it's it's hard to say we, you know and and obviously with this draft too there's probably just you know taking the cowboys out of the equation one of the most things one of the things i'm most curious to see is what happens with tua do you have any feelings on that that's the i mean that's the big debate that we're having here the dolphins obviously want him but does somebody else trade up in front of where miami is at five does miami decide to trade up do the la chargers decide to trade up uh, i mean if you're the chargers moving into that new stadium uh, fans or no fans uh, in Los Angeles, and you didn't have any fans in the little soccer stadium, in the 30,000-seat soccer stadium, you you got to be very concerned if you don't have some sizzle of some kind here. you got to be very concerned that you're going to have 20,000 people at your games. I don't know if it'll be that few, but in an 80,000-seat stadium, you might be concerned that you only have thirty five or 40,000 people at your games unless you have something. So do the Chargers want two of that bad? Do they trade up? Do they sit where they are and risk that he falls to them? or, or what? I, I don't know. So it's going to be very interesting at the top of this draft with Tua and, and with these other guys. So uh, There's it, the other scenario where maybe the Dolphins take Justin Herbert ahead of them. <laughs> Which is a great debate, so too. Tua talk we heard last year. They That's right. Take, I, I keep consistently saying it is the most idiotic thing ever if you take Herbert before Tagovailoa just based on what we saw at Alabama and how gifted he is. Yes, there's an injury concern, but it, there, uh, there's no compare. I mean, Justin Herbert. I'm not. I'm not indicting you. I'm just saying in general, Justin Herbert's numbers went down each of his last two years at Oregon, and he wasn't playing near the competition that Tua was at Alabama. So, what are we looking at? What are we watching? We'll find out. That's why it's a draft, and that's why something crazy is going to happen in the top five. That's like the Bears a couple of years ago, famous Jay trading up one spot and giving up a number one pick to get Mitch Trubisky, and they could have had Deshaun Watson, and they could have had some guy that's from wrong. yours. Your state, uh, that that Mahomes guy from Texas Tech, they they could have had him as well, and instead they took Trubersky, uh there from the for, for the Chicago Bears. So you never know, you never know. Up you know looking down the line, you're kind of tying this back into the last dance. That may end up being their Stan Bowie pick, where they take the Portland Trailblazers and Stan Bowie over Michael Jordan. So that remains. Oh, uh, you never know with these drafts. So it'll be a lot of fun. Again, follow him at the famous J DFW Sports Online because you guys are going to be writing up some stuff about the the draft. And we plug away on the movies. You know we, we're going to plug away on the movies podcast again. We've seen that, right? Do the plug again for our movies podcast that's on hiatus right now right if you follow us on facebook on we've seen that we're always on there talking about movies and stuff and we've we've gone back and basically kind of our wheelhouse is the 80s and 90s we've hit movies 
all the way from you know Beverly Hills Cop to Shawshank Redemption to Few Good Men, Basic Instinct, White Men Can't Jump. We've kind of been all over the place. We even kind of moved up a little bit, and we did The Hangover on its 10th anniversary, <laughs> which is kind of crazy thinking about what Las Vegas skyline looks right now compared to what it was like back when they made The Hangover and, and Ocean's Eleven, another Vegas-type movie. But, yeah, if you like you know, just kind of hanging out with your friends and talking about movies, that's what our movie show's about. So everything, as we like to say, from The Fugitive to uh, Rocky Four. Caddyshack, all of it, go to Apple Podcast, to Google Podcast, Spotify, look up. We've seen that, and you'll see our catalog of shows. And uh, Jay and I have fun with that. And again, catch him at the famous Jay on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and uh, and we always love the inside. Partner, I love it. Thank you for all the insight in DFW, and hopefully as sports gets cranked back up. Uh, we'll get to see a lot of that golf tournament in Fort Worth, maybe some baseball that's going on in Texas, some race racing like you're talking about, and maybe we get a football season when it, when it comes around here in a few months as well. Look forward to all of it, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for having me on. And there we go. That'll do it. I love my man Jay Betzel there, the famous Jay, uh, to setting us all straight from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Just before that, Chris Stewart in Alabama with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Love his insight on the Alabama uh, potential draft picks. And all the way back at the beginning of the podcast, Brian Edwards, Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. Again, uh, great insight on the draft as well as some betting propositions. What's going to happen? Uh, what will happen probably after the second pick? We think Joe Burrow goes to the Bengals. Again, depending on when you're hearing us here on three dog thursday you may already know these answers what happens at number two to the vikings or i'm sorry the redskins hang on to it uh with chase allen the outstanding uh, defensive end from ohio state do they trade the pick what does detroit do at three do they keep their pick and take a defensive player or trade to somebody for tua that's really the wild card does tua uh, get grabbed by somebody making a trade in front of the dolphins do the dolphins end up making the pick Uh, Let's see how the first round unfolds, and I'll be on the live draft coverage as well for the Buccaneers flagship station, 620 WDAE. You can find that on iHeartRadio, on the Buccaneers mobile app. Check us out for the draft coverage on Thursday night. And always check us out here on Three Dog Thursday. A reminder, subscribe uh, to the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, the Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, however you found us, through the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. If you found us on Sports Gambling podcast.com subscribe subscribe away rate us review us apple podcast spotify spreaker uh, google podcast subscribe away and three dog thursday will come automatically to you let's see what happens with the draft and with the picks enjoy it this weekend at least we've got something to hang our hat on that's not predetermined sports i'm anxious to see what all happens as it all unfolds and we'll be back next week to recap the draft and much more on another edition of the only uh, radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. We are Three Dog Thursday. Bye.